Good morning. I, uh, before we jump into this today, I, let me just make a little announcement that has, well, it kind of has something to do with what we're going to talk about today. A lot of you have been praying uh, for, for me, for my family, and uh, a lot of you have asked already today, so I'll just, I'll just kind of tell you, uh, we finally found a place. We're going to sign a lease on a place in Frontenac tomorrow, so um, <laughs> praise God for that, and thank you for all of your prayers. This transition has been a little more drawn out than we had anticipated, but God is good. He's been taking care of us, and he'll keep doing that, so, so thank you again for your prayers. Um, Right, we're starting a new series today, a three-week series called Circles. They mean more than you think. And um, I, I was thinking about a circle that, that my family gathered in a lot growing up, uh, a circle around the supper table. That's kind of a lost art today, but you know, there was a time when families like every night gathered around the table to eat, right? And so I remember one time we were, we, there were four of us and the table was literally a circle. So we were literally sitting there in a circle and um, I don't know, my parents were giving my older brother a hard time about something, you know, just kind of teasing and we were all just kind of having fun. And my brother, he just, he wasn't angry, he was just kind of reacting and he just grabbed the ketchup bottle and just kind of slammed it down on the table. And so several weeks later, again, we were sitting around a circle at the table. Somebody looked up, and there was a little spot of ketchup on the ceiling. And when we moved out of that house, that spot of ketchup was still there. And I was thinking about that several years ago. I was, I was thinking about that memory. And, and you know, my mom, she kept a, a fairly meticulous house. And I was thinking a couple years ago, I wonder why mom never cleaned that off. Now, maybe it was something, something silly and stupid, like out of sight, out of mind. She just forgot about it. I don't know. But, but I'd like to think the reason my mom never cleaned that off is because it was kind of a reminder to her of what happened in our family each night as we sat in that circle around the table. Cool things happen when we circle up around things. Some of my best memories from high school are sitting around a campfire with my buddies. Um, circles are important. And so uh, Andy Stanley, he says this. He says, we grow best in circles, not rows. So if you think about that idea, and you have that image in your head of, of circles versus rows, and, and you think about driving down the road, and, and you see rows and rows of corn, and it's just waving in the wind, and uh, Darren sees that picture, and he's thinking, cha-ching. Um, <laughs> God designed crops to grow like that. He designed crops to grow in nice, neat rows. But he didn't design people that way. He designed people to grow in circles. In other words, we grow best when we are in relationship with other people. Not when we're in rows focusing on something ahead of us. We grow best when we're circled up where we have other people who are looking at us and encouraging us and focused on us and we're focused on them. That's how we grow best. And so this concept really about growing best in circles and not rows, it's really about focus. When we're in rows, we're focused out here. When we're in circles, we're focused on each other. By the way, that's why eating around the table is so good for families. Because when you're eating in the living room in front of the TV, you're sitting probably basically in a row and you're focused out here and you're not focused on each other. I'm preaching to myself, by the way, because that's kind of hit and miss with us. But we grow best in circles. 
not rows. So this, this month when we talk about circles, we're talking about relationship circles. And we all have them. We have family and we have relationship circles in our, in our church and at work. You have relationship circles. We build these relationships naturally. You know why? Because God wired us that way. God wired us to be in relationship with, with people. In Genesis chapter 2, he had created Adam, the first man, and, and there were no other human beings on earth yet. And God said this. He said, it is not right for the man to be alone. And so God created Eve, and, and uh, that was the first relationship circle that was formed. But they began to have kids, and they had kids, and they had kids, and the human race began to grow. And we began to form relationship circles of every kind. Because God created that way, created us that way. He gave us both the desire and the capacity to be in relationship, not just with him. We emphasize that a lot, and we should. God created us to be in relationship with him, but he also gave us the desire and capacity to be in relationship with other people. That's how we're wired. He created us to live life in circles, relationship circles where we're focused on others, and they're focused on us. So, in that context, thinking about circles and not rows, for the next three Sundays, we're going to focus on our mission statement. Gather, grow, go. And this morning, we're going to focus on that first word, gather. If you think about it, we gather for all kinds of things, don't we? We gather for concerts, and we gather for ball games, and we gather for birthday parties. We, we gather all the time. God created us to gather. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't think God created me to gather because I hate crowds. Man, those pictures that, that were just up there, man, I hate crowds, so I, I think I'm exempt from that. Here's the thing. I get that. I am with you, all right? Last May, we went to Disney World. Talk about a crowd gathered. We went to Disney World, and uh, when we were at Magic Kingdom, uh, at the end of the night, they had this big show, right? And there's fireworks, and there's a big, it's, there's a laser show, and they put scenes from the cartoons on the castle itself, like the big Disney castle, and it is, you know, it's kind of cool, but you're crammed into this space, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of sweaty, tired, cranky people just jammed in, and the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I'm doing this because this is important to my wife and I love her very much. And then there's a part of me that was praying, dear God, let this be over soon so I can get away from all these people. So I'm with you on the crowd thing. But here's the deal. Gathering doesn't have to mean a crowd. Gathering with someone else can be as few as two. Jesus said, where two or three, where two or three gather as my followers, I am there among them. In fact, before we go any further, we need to get one thing straight. There's the, the one relationship circle in our lives that means more than anything else, that is more important than anything else, is actually a circle of two. It's the circle of you and God. It's the circle of me and God. The most important gathering for us to do is gathering with God one-on-one -on, -one on a regular basis. That's the most important one. 
That's why in our our three-week foundation class, here's the shameless plug of the morning, okay? Uh, In our three-week foundations class, we spend a whole class just giving people tools to pray and study the Bible and spend time with God because it's that important, this circle of two. What happens in this sanctuary is important, but it's no substitute for what happens when you gather alone with God. And what happens in a small group is really important, but it's no substitute for what happens when you gather alone with God. It's a circle of two. And when you think about it, you look through the Gospels, you read through Scripture, and even Jesus, even Jesus, the sinless Son of God, had to take time regularly to gather in a circle of two with his Heavenly Father. And folks, if even Jesus needed that, how much more do you need it and how much more do I need it? Don't neglect that circle. In fact, here's an action step for you. If you do not have a regular time of gathering alone with God, then before you go to bed today, set some goals for yourself. I would suggest starting with 10 minutes, five minutes of reading the Bible, five minutes of prayer. Either get up 10 minutes earlier, go to bed 10 minutes later, uh, take 10 minutes of your lunch hour and go sit in your car, whatever you need to do. Start somewhere. And if you need some tools, if you're just not real sure how to get started with that, I have a couple of options for you. One, you can take the foundations class. The next one is next month, uh, September 17th, 10 a.m. this hour. You can either go to early service or late service, and and we'll spend the first class just giving you some tools to help you get started on that. Now, I would suggest you not wait that long, and so if you don't want to wait that long, come see me after church, and we'll make an appointment, we'll set up a time, we'll get together, and I'll give you some tools to help you get started. But don't neglect that time. In fact, if you already do have a regular time of gathering with God, then here's your your action step. Start praying today for God to show you somebody who you can disciple, someone maybe who's young in the faith, maybe someone who's not yet a believer that you can lead to Christ and you can begin discipling them and pouring yourself into them and you can begin teaching them the habits that God has taught you for those regular times of gathering with God one-on-one. So if you don't have a regular time, start today to set some goals for yourself. If you do, Pray for somebody that you, can, that you can disciple and pour yourself into. So, the first circle that we need to gather in regularly is a circle of two. It's us and God. And if you have not developed that circle regularly, you need to realize it means more than you think. It means more than you think. Well, the second circle that we need to gather in regularly is us and the church what the writer of Hebrews says. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Read that sentence with me. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. If you've ever wondered where the Bible tells us to go to church, here you go. This is one place. Let us not give up Meeting together. That phrase meeting together in the, in the Greek language in which it was originally written, that, that phrase meeting together, it means, it means assembly. It's really close in meaning to the word church. It's a sacred formal 
assembling, a gathering of people for the purpose of worshiping God. In other words, that verse is basically telling us, don't stop gathering for church. But I want you to notice the the reasons that it gives, the reasons that we need to gather regularly together as a church. To motivate one another and to encourage one another. In other words, it does not say, let us continue to meet together so we can get fed. All right? Can we get that phrase out of our vocabulary? I'm going to try not to step up on my soapbox here. In physical development, who is it that gets fed? Somebody out here said it, not me. Okay, don't throw anything at me. Babies, right? Babies get fed, but as babies grow and as they mature, they learn to feed themselves. Imagine if my son, when my oldest son was starting to eat solid foods, imagine if I didn't know how to feed myself. Imagine if I couldn't feed him because I was too busy having somebody else feed me. See, we, we learn to feed ourselves, and then we can learn to feed other people. And so we come to church not so much to get fed. We, we come to church to, to give. First of all, to give praise to God, right? Not to receive something from him. Now, when we gather, we often do receive something from him. But our motive for coming is it shouldn't be to receive something from him. It should be to give to him the praise and the thanks that he deserves. But then this verse also tells us we gather together, we come to church so that we can give to one another. We give praise to God and we give motivation and encouragement to each other. That's why we gather as the church. First and foremost, it's not so much to receive something, it's to give something. So here's your action step for this one. Ask God to show you how you can connect more deeply with your church family. Maybe for you that means, maybe for you that just means being here more regularly. Uh, Maybe it means giving financially in a more faithful way. Maybe it means serving in some capacity. On, On our announcement, Steve mentioned our Don't Miss Sunday that happens the last Sunday of this month. We're going to have a ministry fair. If you're interested in serving, then you can come and you can see some opportunities that you can you can get involved that way. Maybe it's joining a small group. Maybe for you, the answer to this question starts with just changing your mindset. And saying, I'm going to connect more deeply with my church family. Not so I can receive something, but so I can give something back. Just that alone, changing that mindset alone, can completely change your relationship with the church. So whatever you need to do, whatever God lays on your heart, begin praying about that. How can I connect more deeply with my church family? Because if you neglect that circle more often than you don't, you need to realize that circle means more than you think. It means more than you think. The third circle that we need to gather in regularly is us in a small group. In Mark chapter 3, we find these words. Jesus called to him those he wanted. They came to him and he appointed 12 
that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. See, we need to realize small groups are not a new thing, folks. That's not some newfangled contraption. Jesus himself gathered a small group of men together, and they did life and ministry together. See, when you read throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus in all three of these circles. You see Jesus in the circle of two, gathering with God. You see Jesus in the synagogue, which was kind of the formal gathering of, uh, for the Jewish faith in his day. But you also see Jesus, not just joining, but forming a small group. And again, if even Jesus needed that, then, then how, much, how much more do I? What we need to realize this morning is what happens in this room is important. I, we just talked about that. What happens in this room as we gather together and worship God is really, really important. But look around and notice how you're sitting right now. You're sitting in rows. You're not focused on each other right now. Your focus is up here. Please understand me when I say, I'm I'm not saying that what happens in this room is inferior to what happens in a small group. I'm not saying that. I will never say that because I'll never believe that. What I'm saying is both settings are equally important. Both settings are vitally important because there are things, there are things you experience in this room in corporate worship that you can't experience in a small group. But folks, there are also things that you experience in a small group that you can't experience in here. If for no other reason than the fact that you're sitting in rows and you're focused up here. By the way, you also experience something in that circle of two with God that you can't experience in either of the other two settings. They're all important. So let me illustrate for you uh, some ways that small groups are important. Um, Here we have a guy, uh, it's Mike Wilbur, is there bench pressing, it's a picture, I snapped that picture of him, (laughs) and uh, he's just got a little warm-up weight. On there, but uh, the guy laying down, he's he's bench pressing, and the guy standing up is a spotter. The spotter does a couple of things. One, uh, the, the spotter is there so that on the last rep or the last two, which that's the mo- the most important one, is the last one that you just can't hardly get up by yourself. The spotter is there to just to just give a little bit of help, just so you can just so you can get that last rep out because that's the rep that makes you stronger the one where you just can't do it anymore by yourself well being part of a small group is like having it's like having a bunch of spotters around you because sometimes life just gets really tough right sometimes it's more than we can carry it's more than we can lift it's more than we can handle and having a small group of christian brothers and sisters there sometimes gives us just just enough strength to get through what we need to get through but here's the other thing that a spotter does. A year or two ago, I was at the Y in, in Mountain Grove, where Missouri, where we're moving here from. And a friend of mine and I, were we were off in the corner kind of doing our things. There were three of us in the weight room. And, and my friend and I were in, in the corner. And then over on the bench press was a guy named Bobby. Bobby used to be a boxer. and Bobby got hurt 
uh, couldn't box anymore. And so he, he, poured, he started pouring all his competitive juices into just, just lifting and bodybuilding. And the dude, I mean, today the dude is a beast. He's huge. That sounded like Donald Trump, didn't it? He's huge. <laughs> and so my friend and I, we were over there, we're, we're doing our thing, and we kind of hear this commotion. And we look over, and, and Bobby, he tried to do one too many reps with too much weight. And he didn't have a spotter. And this weight, he probably had 300 pounds on there. The weight, his arms had just given out. And the weight kind of had him pinned like this. It was kind of across the side of his head and his, and his neck. And he was gasping for air. And his head looked like it was about to explode. If he had been alone in that room, I don't, I don't even want to know what might have happened. And so my friend and I rushed over and we pulled the weight off of him. The spotter is there. For those times when you just give out and you've got nothing left to give and they can pull the weight off of you. That's kind of what a small group can do, folks. Because there are times when life gets to be too much. I know we have a saying and people throw this saying around a lot. God never gives you more than you can handle. Folks, That's really not in the Bible. Sometimes life is more than we can handle. And we need people around us. We need a circle of friends around us who can help get that weight off of us. You know how the Bible describes Satan? A roaring lion who is prowling around looking for someone he can devour. Satan is just like the lions in that picture. He's watching, he's waiting, he wants to devour you. He wants to devour your faith. He wants to devour your relationship with God. And just like those lions who, who sense when somebody is, is weak and struggling or in trouble, you know, it's always the, the young animals or the ones that are sick or hurt, they're always the ones that get eaten by the lions, right? Right? And Satan, he knows. He knows when we're struggling. He knows when we're having a hard time. And he waits to pounce. Having a small group, it's like having a group of people around you who can have your back when you're weak, who can encourage you, who can strengthen you, who can keep the prowling lion at bay through their prayers and through their words of challenge and encouragement while God helps you back on your feet. And so your action step for today is simple. Join a small group. Join a small group. We have lots of options for you folks. Right now in the foyer, you can sign up for some, some home groups, some Sunday night home groups that will start this fall. If going into somebody's house is, just seems kind of weird to you, that's fine. I can get that. 
We've got all kinds of groups that meet right now at 10 o'clock on Sundays. You can go to early service or late service. We have classes for just about every age group. We have groups that will start meeting on Wednesday nights again. We have a group that meets right over here on Sunday nights. And they sing hymns and they study the Bible. We've got lots of options. Join a small group. Connect with a small group. Because if you're not doing that, you need to realize that circle means more than you think. Solomon puts it this way. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But listen to this, I love this image. Two can stand back to back and they can conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We need each other, folks. We need these circles. Specifically, we need all three of these circles in our lives. Us and God. Us and the church. Us in a small group. They all mean more than you think. Would you stand with us? Here's what I think the primary reason for these circles, that God gave us these circles of relationships. I think it's to show us his love. Think about times in your life where you just really had a sense of God's love for you. Chances are there was another person involved in that equation. Somehow, some way, maybe it was behind the scenes in some way, but most likely another person was involved in that equation. You see, God, he shows his love for us through each other. And so as we sing a a song about the love of our Father, the love that God has for us, think about, first of all, the people in your life who have shown God's love to you. And secondly, think about Think about how you can show his love to other people around you. That's ultimately what circles are about. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us um, your son who died on the cross for our sins, who paved the way for our forgiveness and our freedom and our salvation and our transformation. But thank you also for giving us the gift of each other and the gift of the church. God, we're not perfect. We're not a perfect church. There's no such thing. But every one of us is a gift to each other from you. And that's why we gather. So God, thank you. We trust you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Many of us have experienced that. You've asked the Lord into your heart today at some point, and His wounds have paid your ransom. If you haven't prayed that prayer today, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that we can be saved. So with all heads bowed and every eye closed this morning, 
Maybe you'd like to just say, Lord, I want to accept that your wounds paid my ransom. And you just have to simply pray the simple prayer and you can pray it in your heart today. Jesus, I am so far from perfect. I make mistakes. Father, I can't fix it. So Father, today I pray that you would just come into my life. That you would forgive me of my sin. Father, I receive your free gift of salvation. It wasn't wasn't free to you, but you've made it free to me. So Father, I accept that today. And I choose to follow you. I accept your love. Show me, Lord, not only how to love you, but to display and show your love to other people. That's the goal, folks, is for us to receive his love and give his love. For us to receive his love and to give his love. I want to tell you about two ways you can do that. You can receive his love tonight through the gathering. Last week we had a gathering. We had not made plans to have another one this week. I was sharing in staff meeting. I used to go to a small church. We'd have these things called revivals. And every once in a while, those revivals would go so well that they'd say, hey, evangelist, can you stay another week? If he had a lull in his schedule, he would. And I was telling the staff today, you know what? We just need to do it again. Last week was powerful. People laying on the floor, crying out to God, coming and praying and just worshiping. So tonight we're going to have communion. We're just going to come together. We're going to seek his face and receive his love. We have something really special at the end we're trusting God for. And we've been praying about this week. We'll tell you and you'll know what that is later at the end tonight. But the other thing is I want to tell you a way you can give his love in a practical way. People don't know. People don't care what you know they, until they know that you care. We've set a goal. Uh, we've adopted the middle school. And one of the things that we wanted to do was give them 300 backpacks. And I want to just celebrate and praise that we've so far collected. Uh, this is before this morning, but we collected 222 backpacks so far. So let's give God praise for that. Amen. But we also, we're not at our goal yet. We're 78 backpacks short. And so our Hispanic ministry who meets at 1130, they've got a few upstairs. But we have several here uh, at both ends of the door here. We would love to be able to grab that goal today and show some students that God is real and that he loves them. Um, each backpack is going to have a little note that Adam put together just simply saying we love you and praying for you to have a great year. If you've already got a backpack, grab another one. If you've not done it yet, get one. Let's let's do that. Can we do that, church? Can we do that? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you 